0: Hello there everyone and welcome back to The Longest Night. We are a Game of Thrones show on the Podbreed network and we work with our friends at the NARTH subreddit as well. My name is Rob and I've seen every single episode of Game of Thrones at least half a dozen times.
1: And my name is Lizzie and I've seen every single episode of Game of Thrones at least one time. Yay! Yeah!
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, If you want to, you can find us on Twitter. We are at LongestNightGOT. That is at Longest Night, G-O-T, if you want to come and chat with us over there. Our title music, as always, provided to the podcast by friend of the podcast, Edward Thomas. And you can find a link to all of his available work in the description. This is our Season 8 awards show, where we take a look back over the season that we've just watched to hand out some awards, have a little bit of a chat, that sort of thing. Um, Before we get going properly, though, there's a little bit of an announcement Um, you guys that are listening to us you all know that we're coming back for House of the Dragon the HBO prequel series focusing on the Targaryen dynasty Uh, that airs in August Uh, we we are going to come back for that and do an episode every week while the season is on Mm -hmm. but the more and more I thought about it the more I realised that just me and Lizzie would not be able to fill an hour. Mm. Because, Lizzie, you would be in the same position that you were in at the start of Game of Thrones, where you have very, very little idea about what's going to happen. Yeah. And there are no no characters that are going to appear in House of the Dragon that appear in Game of Thrones. The whole thing happens about 200 years before nearly 200 years before the events of game of thrones and so there's not going to be like you know like in the final episode there's going to be like uh, aemon targaryen is born or something like that like it's it's so disconnected yeah the drama's still there and it means that your level of um knowledge is also going to be it's going to go back to the start like where you were at the beginning of game of thrones and where that was okay with this show because i was able to fill in a lot of space until you were more comfortable talking about the show. Um, I've read Fire and Blood, but only once. Okay. I haven't gone through the book half a dozen times like I went through Game of Thrones half a dozen times. And so I'm not confident that... I wasn't confident that just me and you, Lizzie, would be a good enough show For people to listen to. So I consulted a friend of mine. His name is Jay. Mm -hmm. And he has, for the past three years, been uh, been producing a podcast called Flashback, which I will leave a link to in the description. And that was a podcast about the series Lost. He was a huge Lost fan back in the day. And so... Him and another friend of mine, Andy, they did the whole of Lost. They rewatched the whole of Lost for the first time in about five or six years, and they covered every single episode. It's very spoiler heavy, as opposed to spoiler free. I couldn't really listen to it because I was watching along as they did. Uh, they, they they did every episode. I I tried to keep in touch with their schedule. I made a few appearances at the end of every season just to as a as a new viewer, just to sort of say, here's my experiences as someone who's not re-watching, I'm watching from the first for the first time. And so I reached out to him because he is a big fan of the a Song of Ice and Fire book series and he has also read Fire and Blood and is also very much a, a big nerd for fire and blood and he's excited okay. about house of the dragon so he's got podcast experience he's got knowledge of the, the house of the dragon world that it, the show is going to take place in and so when we come back for house of the dragon we're going to have a third panelist Ooh. we're going to have we're going to have jay um and so i'll introduce you all to him nearer the time but I thought I would just let you all know that a third voice will be coming. And for those of you who are listening and didn't like the end of Game of Thrones or just didn't like it as much as uh, I did or even Lizzie did, um, Jay didn't like the end of Game of Thrones. So in the interest of balance, I think it's only fair to have... Me, who really likes the end of Game of Thrones, Lizzie, who you like the end of Game of Thrones, and Jay, mm-hmm. who doesn't. It'll be balanced, and you have to keep the the dynamic interesting, and you have to keep the, the there has to be a, there has to be a dynamic between the presenters that is refreshing and gives a new perspective. And so if we're all just, you know, if we get someone else on who really liked the ending, or if it's just me and you, Lizzie, talking about how, like, oh, Game of Thrones was great, and House of the Dragon is also wonderful. You know, we need someone who's probably going to be a bit more critical, and so Jay will be joining us. Yeah, Jay will be joining us for House of the Dragon. If you've seen all of Lost, um, I will leave a link to Flashback in the description. You can go through and listen to it. Um, I haven't listened to it, well, I've gone back and listened to a couple of episodes, but I haven't listened to it because it wasn't allowed, because I would have spoiled myself. <laughs> but I'm sure it's great. <laughs> the episodes <laughs> I was on were, were great fun um, to be part of, and they're, they're great guys. So go and have a wonderful time if you've watched Lost already and are stuck for stuck for a podcast to to listen to. Yeah. So back to the world of Game of Thrones. We've just finished... The final season, we've done our final uh, final main episode, we've got this episode and one more episode to come, uh, where they're basically just going to be the award shows. Um, so we'll we'll jump straight in. Lizzie, now that you've had a week away from it and you've had time to collect your thoughts, what do you think about season eight of Game of Thrones?
1: I feel awful because I've barely thought about it since. Um, that's, that's quite and- good, actually. Yeah, I think that's perfectly fine. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it is good in a way because I'm not stewing over it and thinking, oh God, they fucked it all up. It's like, I, no, I was perfectly satisfied with the ending for the most part. Um, but when it came to writing my notes for this particular review, a lot of it was very similar to season seven. And to the point where I had to like get rid of whole chunks because I was basically saying the same thing. And I think we we've, we've made this point before, where it's like this could have been season seven part two. Yeah, it it feels strange to call this its own individual season, but yeah, on the whole, I like it. I think I I was sort of wondering the other day, like I wonder if there's somebody out there who really didn't like season eight at the time, and hasn't gone near it with a barge pole ever since. And I hope that. If nothing else, we might have convinced someone to, you know, give it another go, Mm -hmm. at least. Like, if we've achieved nothing from this podcast, and I don't know if we have, other than me watching Game of Thrones, we (laughs) might have that, at least. We might be able to present Season 8 in a different light, rather than what it was at the time, which was swept up in this mountain of hype.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. hype is very much as we found out at the time hype is very much a double edged sword definitely because um, it can boost your product just as much as it can tear it down if the levels of hype are not uh, not lived up to um, mm. but yeah I agree I think that season 8 is very much a continuation of season 7 in a way that no other season of Game of Thrones feels like a continuation of the one previous.
1: No, I agree.
0: Even season four, which was adapted from the same book as season three, feels like its own thing. The the amount of time that passes in season four doesn't feel very long, because you have Joffrey is poisoned in episode two, Mm. Tyrion is on trial by episode eight, and i think it must only be a few days after episode one of the one episode takes place over over the course of one night yeah and so i would say that it's only about 3 or 4 months season 4 yeah. whereas season 3 feels like it takes place over about 6 months maybe 7 um so yeah i think that season 8 is very much season 7 part 2 it feels like a lot of the themes and concerns that were established in season seven, they get further fleshed out here. Um, I think the only thing that maybe makes season seven, the only thing that kind of splits them and makes them their own individual seasons is the fact that season seven is bookended by the coming of the White Walkers, where you see them begin to approach the wall and then you see them come through the wall. I also think as well that quite a lot of characters arrive to the final season fully developed. There aren't many characters in the final season who change over the course of the season at the rate that they no. do previous ones. So there's little things like that. But I think that, yeah, Daenerys's mission for the Iron Throne is a, you know, is a thread that continues uh, throughout the um all 13 episodes and we see that to its conclusion um i'm thinking about you know jamie's you know the, the worst aspects of jamie's main character syndrome definitely come out uh, across these 13 episodes uh there's all sorts of little things like that but yeah yeah i think that the reason they called it season eight was probably because of the gap between the two i don't think they could have justified Calling it season seven part two or season seven B with a nearly two year gap in between. I think that they made the decision to just go, yeah, we'll make it our own, you know, we'll make it its own thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, Um, it's and it's an arbitrary number. Like it's, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. It's the same show, you know, it's a linear story being told.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, as for my thoughts on the season, you can go back and listen to every episode if you want uh, to find yeah. out, but I think that ultimately it's a pretty bold season of TV that stumbles in a couple of places. I think the first episode and the fourth episode in particular are some of the weaker yeah. outings in the show. Yeah. Um But the three episodes, Night of the Seven Kingdoms, The Long Night and The Bells, I think is three of the show's best. And the Iron Throne, the season finale, is just kind of mid-table for me. I think it's all right. Like, I think it's a pretty good finish. Um, I've really, really tried to understand why people disliked the ending. I'm always keen, as Tyrion says in season seven, you know, you have to... Think like the other side. If you're, if you're to understand them, and you have to understand the other side, if you want to, you know, d- discuss fairly with them, and not, you know, to make sure that the the level of animosity in the discussions is reduced. I, I really made an effort because I was thinking, like, I'm in ten, twenty percent of the audience here that likes this the season, and I remember thinking, uh, maybe if I reach out across the barricades to see, but the first few weeks I spent doing it, I was just like, every time I was coming across a major criticism, I was just sat there thinking, in the moment, I thought this was fine, and yeah. the more and more arguments I read against certain decisions, the more solid my arguments became in favour of them, especially about things to do with Daenerys and Brienne and Jamie and... Sirs, the way that things ended for Cersei, um, you know, there, there are some, like, Bran being king at the end. I don't think it's as clean a conclusion as the show maybe wanted it to be. Um, I don't know if it's by design or if it's a bug that it feels a little bit uncertain about the implications of essentially having a god as your ruler yeah. and what that really means Um but I think the key word is, is hype, I think that it's fine to be disappointed because if you're on board with the show's ideas but you think that the execution was lacking then the disappointment is understandable but I think yeah. if you're with a show's ideas but not with its execution and you get so mad that you spend weeks creating dummy IMDB accounts and fake IMDB accounts to rate the episode yeah. one out of ten, um, organising protests at Comic Cons and things like that to the point oh, where gosh. the crea- yeah yeah the creators, like Benioff and Weiss were supposed to turn up to Comic Con 2019 and then they decided against it because there was a large contingent of attendees at Comic Con who were going to express their disappointment.
1: Ugh, grow up.
0: Um. So yeah, there were lots of negative. There's lots of negative feelings, and to this day, people are still very dismissive and angry about it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's unfortunately, you know, I think unfortunately i think it might be a case of not really biting the hand that feeds but like you know if you welcome and go for an audience of that size then you do kind of have to take and you know the creators by all accounts have taken it on the chin That like okay we tried our best you didn't like it we're just going to go on and do other things now but i think it was um i'm not exactly sure when he said it but um brian cogman who wrote 11 episodes for the show and was, like, a a producer and stuff, he said that, like, he preferred it when they were just making a great TV show rather than making the biggest show in the world. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I think that it all got to be a bit too much for everybody. And on both, on all sides of the fence, and I think every stakeholder in the show, just, I think it did just get a bit, too much for absolutely everybody. I was reading about Amelia Clark's reaction to the final season script and like she apparently she walked around New York for several, several hours after she read it because she couldn't she was worried that like people were gonna hate her, like her personally, for the things that Daenerys did. And mm. I think if you get to that point, it's probably best to call it a day before it goes on any further. Yeah, legit. Yeah. So, to the first of our awards, well, if you can call this an award. Yeah. (laughs) More of a a wooden spoon or a a rotten egg or a rotten tomato (laughs) of an award. It's our, well, it's not our, it's Lizzie's loser of the season. And so across the season, Lizzie has named as her various losers of the week, Uh, Daenerys Targaryen in episode 1 in episode 2 it was Tormund Giant's Bane in episode 3 it was the Night King in episode 4 it was Cersei Lannister in episode 5 it was Daenerys Targaryen for a second time and in episode 6 it was Daenerys Targaryen for a third time so 50% of the vote goes to Daenerys Targaryen, are you going to throw a massive curveball at us and say that it's Cersei or the Night King or even someone that you didn't name as loser of the week, someone who was second every week but didn't get the actual uh, award, or are you are you going to go with what we expect?
1: I'm going to go with what you expect, but now I feel bad now that you've mentioned that about... Um... <laughs> Emilia Clarke walking around New York thinking people would hate her because I feel like that now. Oh, no, you don't hate Emilia I I didn't mean anything by it. Just, you know, it's just purely on a character level. Like, yeah. Um, Because, again, as I mentioned before, I feel like anything I say about Daenerys in this season will just be repeating what I said in the Season 7 review, where it felt just like a constant downhill trajectory like anything that could go wrong did go wrong and yeah in the end you didn't even get to sit on the throne it was just that's just how it was supposed to be and she makes an awful decision part way through that
0: leads to in the end the tragic conclusion of her yeah, story absolutely yeah yeah dying in front of uh, the iron throne yeah, I don't disagree. I think that Daenerys is a a worthy winner of this loser award. I think that she's the person whom the plot is most centered around this season. She becomes yeah. the show's main character, and that's true. Having being the main character in this show uh, has not really been good news for characters down the years, like Ned Stark in season one. No, you're right. Rob Stark in season three. Tyrion mm-hmm. in season four, John in season five. It all seems to go when you're when you have the most screen time. It, things don't tend to go very well for you. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think yeah I agree. I think that the the turn is it's not even really a turn. It's just a like you say. A, it all just kind of goes downhill. It's yeah. unfortunate and it's tragic and it's upsetting and it's frustrating and. I'm angry for Daenerys. I'm angry at Daenerys. I feel lots of yeah, complicated same. things for her in this season. And yeah, I think more than appropriate that Daenerys is uh, going to take home that particular wooden spoon uh, for the season. So looking more positively, um, your mm-hmm. winner of the season. So in week one, you had Samuel Tarley. In week two, you had Lady Brienne. In mm-hmm. week three, you had Lady Melisandre. In week four, you had Lady Brienne again. In episode five, it was Arya Stark. And in the finale, it was Tyrion Lannister. So you've got five different characters there. And Lady Brienne has been nominated twice. So who's your winner for season eight?
1: Yeah, and I'd also throw, like, Sandor Clegane into the mix. I'd throw Jaime Lannister in, and Jon Snow, you know, Sansa, like... There's, it's strange, because it's usually winner of the season is quite um, is quite easy to pick, whereas loser is quite difficult, but yeah, yeah with this one, it's, it's, I did kind of, well, no, I didn't go back and forth on this. I had a name in mind, but I did just have to go back and remind myself of why I wanted this character to be my winner of the season, and that is Arya Stark. Okay, yeah. Yeah,
0: she's also my MVP. So tell me, tell me why you picked her.
1: Well, like we said at the start, like how this feels like a continuation from season seven, and at the start of season seven, she's sort of out in the wilderness trying to. She doesn't really have a sense of herself. All she knows is that she wants to kill Cersei, and she has that. You know, she has that sweet little moment with Ed Sheeran, but and you know, she meets with Hot Pie, but she's still kind of not really there until she hears that the Starks are back in Winterfell and that is the start of her, as we said in The Long Night, like starting to choose life, starting to realise that there is something there that's worth kind of living for and inevitably, well maybe not inevitably, but she does end up sort of losing faith once she does get back to Winterfell because I think really, as much as she thought that was home and that was where she wanted to be, really there is no home for Arya. And it's like she discovers along the way that maybe there's nothing wrong with being a wanderer, with being somebody who has no real home as such and who can just take the world for what it is and make it their own. Yeah, I think
0: that's a really, really beautiful conclusion to understanding Arya's story and just Arya's story in general I think Arya gets my favourite ending and yeah I agree yeah yeah, I'm I'm glad that you I'm glad that you feel that way too because I think that of all the characters that becomes a bit mm, mishandled in season seven I think that those two episodes in season seven uh, Eastwatch and Beyond the Wall. A lot of Aya's behavior in that episode is very confusing, and I think that mm. this conclusion to her storyline in Bravos is not particularly satisfying. And I think when it came to season eight, I think they kind of they must have felt like they owed it to Aya to give her a big, you know, a, a big starring role in the yeah. in, in the in the conclusion of the of the of the story of the show. You know, she takes out the Night King, and then we see the unfortunate consequences really the fact that she saved all the people from King's Landing and from being killed by white walkers and then she was on the ground when they were all killed by dragons and yeah yeah she realises that she's still human in some way and then she sees the worst of humanity just after she realises that and then off she goes she does a lot of good things with her time though yeah, so. she's too
1: good for this world
0: Yes, by the end of it, absolutely um, Okay then, uh, we go to your favourite moment of the season Ooh. Were there yeah. a few worthy candidates and then you had to sort of just close your eyes and pin the tail on one of them Or like what was your method for choosing this?
1: Well, I tried to pick one for every single episode, and I remember last time you made a list, right, of your favourite moments from every episode. Yeah. So I'm curious to see how these align. Okay,
0: yeah, go ahead. What's your What's your favourite moment from episode one?
1: My favourite moment from episode one is Arya reuniting with Sandor.
0: Okay, yeah, that is not the same as mine. Mine is... Um, okay. Beric, Ed, and Tormund finding a message from the Night King. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. But Ned Umber. And, an honorable mention to Jamie Lannister returning to Winterfell and bumping into Bran. But yes, tell yeah. me a little bit more about why uh, Arya and Sandor's reunion in episode one
1: has uh, got to the top of your list for episode one. It's a small moment, but like I said at the time, you can. It's like how often do you see Sandor kind of break a smile? And as much as he's trying to put on his sort of misanthrope act, it's not working. He's clearly very happy to see Arya. And yeah, it's nice to see a moment where these two characters from completely different backgrounds have some sort of shared connection from just the circumstances that they've been brought up in, always being, you know, the outsider, the black sheep. Hmm. Yeah, I thought it was really sweet. Okay.
0: And from episode two, uh, what is your favourite moment?
1: From episode two, I have—I um, didn't know how to put this—but Podrick sings to the allies.
0: Oh, that's my honourable mention. Oh, um, which is your winner? Uh, just Jamie knighting Brienne. Um,
1: oh, of course. How did I forget? <laughs> but yeah, I think that that moment's. Um, the you know, the song and I think the montage as well is what's stuck in my memory. Yeah. Just it's that kind of looming threat, but also this sweet like soliloquy for each other. Yeah. Um I could have also nominated um John telling Daenerys. That was great. But Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh for episode three Episode three I've gone with Arya kills the Night King.
0: Yeah, same. Dead on. Yeah.
1: But also as an honourable mention, um, Melisandra appears and lights the um, the Dothraki swords.
0: Oh, my honourable mention involves Lady Melisandre, but it's her death at the end oh, of the episode that too, yeah. where she drifts away on the yeah. wind. Yeah, I think I uh, being the one to kill the Night King, you know, it proves that the show still had the ability to catch me off guard. Like, I really yeah, thought a- I knew this show and what it was going to do, and then it did that. And, like, it, I uh, you know, she gets dramatically repositioned as, like, this, uh, like right at the centre of this big narrative. Um, and, it you know, maybe the decision to get rid of the Night King at that point in the season was not everybody's favourite, but I think it mm. puts a dividing line in the season where it's like the first half of the season was about this and the second half of the season is going to be about something else and i think also just the fact that they subvert the expectation that john would be the one to do it but you know that it reinforces the point that i don't know if that was necessarily john's role in the fight against the night king so
1: yeah 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 I'm, uh, and it's I'm sub- it, it. Sub- it subverts the expectation that he was going to sort of survive this episode at all which i genuinely thought he would but there you go
0: yeah from the Last of the Starks, episode four.
1: I've gone um, honorable mention to uh, Jamie leaving Brienne, but I've gone with Cersei executes Missando.
0: Oh, so it shows how loaded that episode is. Um, that I have gone for my favorite moment is the the moment where Bron explains the reality of power to Tyrion and uh, Jamie. The oh right just that i just like the fact that it goes straight back to it it brings all those questions back to the surface that the show used to spend a lot of time asking like what is power how does it behave where does it originate where does it really reside who has power who deserves power like all those questions that the show used to spend a lot of time meditating over it just feels like they've invented the scene to do that again and Bron makes a really good point, which is that most of these big families that we're watching, they only started because someone with that name happened to be better at killing loads of other people. And, Mm. yeah, I think, you know, that's one of the show's big riddles kind of answered. And...
1: Totally. Yeah.
0: My honourable mention was the funeral service at the start of the the episode.
1: Oh, yeah. Agreed.
0: So for the bells, your favourite moment...
1: The bells, I think, is an obvious one. It's um, Daenerys rejects Cersei's surrender. Uh,
0: Yes, also the same for me. Uh, It's not necessarily a moment so much as it is a sequence, a series of moments, if you will. But yeah. Yeah, but even just that
1: that initial moment, we we discussed it in in the episode. You know the one we're talking about. But it's that facial acting, like she says so much without saying a thing. It's that panic. And fear, but also anger, but confusion, and just all of this emotion—all eight seasons of it—just boiling over it, and like pouring molten lava onto King's Landing in the end. But yeah, just that, even just that initial moment out of you know out of the rest of the episode where she's on a rampage, and we never see her face again. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And yet, on a raw mention.
1: Honourable mention... Ooh, do I have an honourable mention for the Bells? I would say um, maybe... uh, Oh, I know the one, actually. It's um, Jamie finding Cersei and having an embrace before they die.
0: Yeah, that's also my honourable mention. Um, Yeah, great. The whole final sequence with Jamie and Cersei before they die. That's, yep, pretty much what I've got as well. Um, So the final episode...
1: Yeah. What have you gone for favorite moment? I've gone for Arya's ending. Okay, yeah. But with an honorable mention to Tyrion trawling the wrecked city.
0: Oh, do you know we're quite close. My uh, my favorite moment I've gone for the conversation between Tyrion and Jon. That Oh yeah. That yeah. Eight, that long 8-9 minute two-hander scene that it sort of explains everything that happened up to this point. Um, mm-hmm. And then my honourable mention is also sort of Arya's ending Which is it's the Starks all going their separate ways In the show's yeah. closing montage Yeah. So out of all those What is your favourite moment of the season?
1: My favourite moment of the season is still um, Daenerys rejecting um, Cersei's surrender
0: Okay, yeah Gonna hear thousands of people turning off right now Oh,
1: I'm sure, I'm sure Well, listen, if you've got an open mind Go back and listen to our episode for the bells Because I know you were very passionate about it as well Yes,
0: I was Um, I think people who've made it past the bells to this episode Are already very much fine (laughs) with uh, that We're with our conclusions on that So maybe they won't turn off in their droves So, we've ranked our favourite moments, and now we are going to rank every episode of the season, from worst to, to best, or least mm-hmm. favourite to most favourite. Um, only six episodes this season, so not very hard. Um, okay, so in sixth place, it is the season premiere, Winterfell. Don't think there's going to be many complaints about that one, although, ironically, no. it is the one that was best received by critics... Uh, which... I, in a
1: way, I, I can see why, like, given the, everything we know yeah. about the sort of reaction at the time. Yeah, it kind of makes sense.
0: Yeah. So next up from that is episode four, The Last of the Starks. Again, don't think that's going to be a major surprise to most no. people who are to uh, listening to us. In fourth place, it is the season finale and the series finale the iron throne episode 6 mm-hmm. in third place it's the living against the dead it's episode 3 the long night in second place it is a night of the seven kingdoms episode 2 which means that our favorite episode of the season is the penultimate episode of the season of the season and series the bells episode 5 which oh, yes. I'm quite pleased about. I would have either the bells or the night or a night of the seven kingdoms as my favourite of the season, but I'm glad that the bell has just won out. Um, just yeah, at this th- point as well, actually, I have just published my 2022 edition of the full Game of Thrones episode ranking that Ooh. I do. I did it in 2019, I did it in 2020, and I've done it again after this rewatch in 2022. There's not, there's not some there's a couple of major changes. Uh, the Bells has gone up a, a considerable number of places. Um, the Nightlands from season two went down quite a few places mm. based on this rewatch. First of his name from season four, that jumped up f- a fair number of uh, spots. And there is a new number 73, which is that I have a new least favourite episode. So
1: Oh, um, can uh, I guess? Yes. Is it no one?
0: That was my least favourite. It's now my next to least favourite. My least okay. favourite is now Eastwatch. I think yeah, that... Yeah, I could see why. The good in no one outweighs the bad. I think that the problem I have with Eastwatch that knocked it down a peg is that on paper, Eastwatch should really work. Like, it's loaded with so many big payoffs and big moments and big decisions and turning points. And you would think, oh, of course, this this would be an excellent episode. And the fact that I don't really like it, despite it having all those moments, speaks to how inherently bothered I am about how much it tries to stuff into 58 minutes. That's true. Um, yeah. I think... Having so many big things so close together lessens the impact quite significantly. Whereas with no one, on paper, I don't like it very much. But I think it's probably because that at that point in the show, everything's still spread out across five or six locations, which means that if one or two locations don't work, the other three or four are going to. Like the stuff at Riverrun with the Blackfish doesn't really work for me, but the stuff at Riverrun with Jamie and Brienne and Edmure really does. And yeah. the stuff at Braavos doesn't really work for me, but the stuff in King's Landing really works. And the stuff yeah. with the Hound and the Brotherhood is 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 good as well. And so the good that's in the episode, I think it outweighs the tonal problems that that episode has and the pretty unimaginative Conclusions to certain storylines that it that it conjures up. Yeah. So, our favourite episode of the season is the bells, and now we're going to do uh, what we've done in our past two or three episodes, which is we're going to watch the trailer for the season that we've just watched. <laughs> um, because of course, yes, of course. Um, if uh, so, Lizzie, if you let me know when you're ready, we'll do a countdown of three, two,
1: one, and then we'll we'll get going. Okay, I'll I'll count you in then. So three, two, one, go.
0: I think looking back at this, we were all trying to work out like, oh, what's freaked tire out, and like, and like, what kind of role is you going to have in the season? Yeah, and the fact that. I look forward to seeing this. Her I Know Death monologue is juxtaposed against the fact that she is so scared. Hmm. Is quite something, I think. It's a big clue as to what's going to happen this season.
1: Where you belong. Oh. Yep, first episode. First episode. Yeah. First episode. I love this music. I'm noticing a theme here. Yeah
0: i really love this music it's quite mournful as well as being i don't know who composed die. it i don't know if raman javadi does trailer music too but it never appears don't in the show stop,
1: but... But yeah it really I
0: works fear. oh god that shot of jamie saying run loads people thought he was shouting bron and that bron was going to be involved in the, the long night i remember that
1: oh yeah i promised to fight
0: thing is about build up to the long night
1: I think I spotted one shot there from episode 4
0: yeah Sansa and that's it
1: and I thought there was one material where he was looking up Uh,
0: yeah that's probably so two at most from, yeah. yeah so you can kind of I feel a bit I, I do feel a bit sorry for them because they were like we don't really want to do a trailer for the final season we, you know it's like kind of like um the approach that kendrick lamar has recently taken where he hasn't released any singles ahead of um the new album mr morale and the big steppers he was like i don't really want to give any hints about what it's going to be like i just want to mm. put the whole thing out and you can experience it as one whole thing and i think that's what they wanted to do and then the network were like yeah but yeah but yeah but and this is what we ended up with where it's a trailer that is geared entirely towards the battle between the army the with battle with the white walkers and the army of the dead. And so a lot of people probably went into the season thinking, Hmm, it's all going to be about the white walkers. And then when it yeah. turned out not to be, it was like, Oh wait, what? And so you either react to that well, or you don't react to it. Well, um, they tried to undercut it slightly with a marketing campaign which was hashtag for the throne and a lot of people were reading into that like should we think that the whole show is going to come back to the throne because it's called game of thrones or is it a red herring because like they'll make us think that it's going to be about the throne and then it's not going to be about the throne and there was so many people trying to do lateral thinking like doing podcasts about things that don't exist Like, you know how... This is a thing that happens sometimes. There's a YouTube channel called Emergency Awesome, I think it's called. And, like, it's this guy who does videos that are over 10 minutes long about things that don't even exist. Like, he'll do a 10-minute video rambling about complete nonsense based on, like, you know, the new Game of Thrones trailer is out. What does it mean? Let's do a breakdown. And then it's like, um, oh, well, let's get 20 minutes of content out of this. (laughs) (laughs) What could yeah. this mean? What could that mean? And when For the Throne, hashtag For the Throne, came out, it was like there were loads of podcasts and YouTube channels who was who spent 15 minutes going around in circles, sort of like, is this a red herring? Do we have to think laterally about this? Should we take it at face value? It's like, just stuff it. Not everything has to be content. You don't have to monetize every second of your life. Like, just let it be. Let, let it be a mystery. I remember when they released... Um, it was, it was like a collaborative album with loads of R&B artists. And it was like yeah. a Game of Thrones final season featuring, I don't know, The Weeknd and a bunch of people. <laughs> um, and so a lot of people were trying to go through all of these songs by R&B pop artists and stuff, trying to trying to figure out if they could find any clues as to what was going to happen during the season. And I remember some people thinking... That like when they released the album, it was about two weeks before the final season. Loads of people were like, "Are they gonna? Are they gonna put these songs in the episodes (laughs) and things like that?" And I was like, "No, (laughs) I'm gonna do
1: that." (laughs) Oh, fun time, fun time. (laughs) If only. Someone needs to like re-edit it with
0: those songs in. Oh dearie me! Yeah. Oh, oh, god! I'll 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 try and find a link to that and put it in the show notes. Uh, so you can enjoy to your heart's content with the final season (laughs) fully out there and being three years old now so normally we would just end the episode there and then talk about oh we're going to look forward to you know the next season but there isn't a next season to look forward to we finished the show Mm. so a few weeks ago i remembered that before season eight i made a uh it was a Word document, and I predi- I tried to predict every step, or every major step, of the final season of Game of Thrones. Okay. I did episode titles, I did plots divided up by location. You'll see where I go off track. Okay. So, okay. So the first episode, I had a feeling that they were going to do a a callback to the first episode, the title, in one way or another. And so season eight, episode one, in my prediction, in my head's prediction, was called Winter is Here, as opposed to Winter (laughs) is Coming. Yeah. Uh, They went for Winterfell instead, so I was close-ish. So at Castle Black, uh, Tormund and Beric would have arrived from Eastwatch. They would have gone across the wall and gone to Castle Black. And they would arrive there in a hurry, like, oh, it's fallen, all hell broke loose. And then Ed would be like, okay, let's go, Night's Watch Brothers, let's abandon the castle. And then they would all ride out on horses and head towards the forest that's south of the wall. And then there Mm. would be this shot of them looking back at Castle Black as the army of the dead kind of swarmed along the wall and took it, like the the wall slowly fell like a like a domino piece, and they were just right, gonna wipe okay. the whole thing out. That didn't happen um, mm-hmm. at Winterfell. Bran would deliver the news that the wall has been breached. Got that right. Um, you did. Jon and Daenerys' forces would arrive at Winterfell soon after. Not not quite, but. You know, it's not long after they've arrived. Um, No, no. Reunions take place, but personal relationships of all kinds have to be, you know, put aside because there's bigger things coming. Um, And then, this is where I start to go off track, Um, Jon and Daenerys (laughs) are mutually informed of their relation, and after a little, you know, oh, that's a bit weird, um, they sort of decide that they're okay with it, because, hey, you know, Targaryens. um, Yeah, true. Elsewhere at sea, Theon with his twenty good men from the season seven finale, they go to rescue Yara from Pike. So I'm half right, but got the location <laughs> wrong. Um, are yeah. on in King's Landing, Yuron returns with the Golden Company for Cersei. So got that right. Um, you did? but what I got wrong was that he then departs for Pike because he hears that Theon has gone to get Yara. um Cersei has become isolated and stressed after Jamie's departure, which, yeah, kind of.
1: A but, little bit, yeah.
0: Yeah, but the major point where I'm completely wrong... Um, so, in the Season 7 finale, there was going to be a, se- a scene where Cersei had a miscarriage after Jamie left. Right. And they decided to leave it out, and then they went in a different direction with it Yeah, for yeah. the final season, which I'm, I'm glad they did. But I Same. decided to put the miscarriage scene here, where she wakes right, up okay. in the morning, bed is full of blood, she's miscarried mm. in her sleep. So, yeah. Um, in the south, Jamie arrives at the inn at the crossroads and is trying to mm. remain hidden. But then Bron and Podrick reveal that they've followed him and they meet him there. And then Jamie tells them that he's heading north to Winterfell after leaving Cersei. And then we would go to Last Hearth and Carhold and see them be destroyed by the army of the dead. And then the Night King would raise more and more corpses uh, for for his army. So, kind of on track generally, but also not quite. Like, you know, I've got characters heading in the similar directions, but... (laughs) (laughs) Just <laughs> you've got a
1: rough gist I yeah
0: uh, rough gist uh, so next episode um, it was going to be called We Do Not Sow which are the Greyjoy House words um, Tyrion is growing a bit concerned that Jon and Daenerys are fine with their love for each other preparations are continuing to defend the castle from the army of the dead after reports of the attacks at Last Hearth and Carhold Ed, Beric, Tormund, Jamie, Bronn and Podrick they all arrive during this episode and here's where things get weird. Um, Daenerys discovers and starts to feel like she's pregnant. <laughs> <Why>? <laughs> and keeps the information to herself. Um, in King's Landing, <laughs> Cersei has become unreachable since the miscarriage and Kyburn is trying to placate the Golden Company and keep them patient because they're mm. demanding payment and they're demanding plans. Like, you know, you shipped us all the way over here. What do you want us to do? Um, and Kyburn kind of talks Cersei around a little bit and some plans are made where the Golden Company can just go and occupy some Lannister castles in the south uh, just to kind of keep them Um, and then the big set piece would be at the Iron Islands where Theon would arrive to rescue Yara but Euron's surprise navy would arrive before they can leave, there would be a big fight um, Theon would somehow manage and Yara would somehow manage to kill Euron so Euron would be out in episode 2
1: oh I would have preferred that
0: um, and then Theon and Yara take any surviving Greyjoys to Winterfell and that was where the episode was ending in my head um, episode 3 would be called The Great War um, the Greyjoys would arrive at the beginning And then the army of the dead would battle with the living and heavy losses would be dealt to both sides. Uh, It becomes clear that the army of the dead are going to win the battle and that evacuating Winterfell is the only option. Uh, Several characters who can't fight are instructed to flee south and spread the word to as many, you know, ravens, people, you know, just get Mm -hmm. south. Let's get out of here. Many major characters wasn't sure who would die in the fighting. Um, the living kind of hold their own but they are eventually forced to surrender Winterfell and retreat down river or down the king's road or something like that uh, episode 4 I uh, gave it the title A Time for Wolves um, the Night King continues to raise more and more dead soldiers and we even see some characters that we lost come back to life as zombies and yep. um, the living have fled down the King's Road to River Run, uh, while the army of the dead have stopped to raise corpses and whatnot. Um, and the army grows ever larger. And the plan is to head further south to King's Landing and negotiate with Cersei to let them in to the city. Mm. So Daenerys chooses this moment to reveal to John that she's pregnant and that she knew before the previous episode. And John is like, please be careful. In the next fight, Um, that's our baby, as he would say. Um, Mm. Tyrion raises concerns about breaking the wheel and whether it's possible to break the wheel with a Targaryen baby on the way and a potential, another dynasty. Um, And because John can't bear the idea of Daenerys giving birth to another bastard, uh, he... And Daenerys, quietly and secretly, away from everybody else, get married. They, they have right, a secret okay. marriage ceremony.
1: Ooh.
0: In King's Landing, the Golden Company are growing even more impatient with Cersei, who has mostly been unavailable since the miscarriage. Kyburn's uh, not explaining why she's absent. I had this idea of Kyburn and Harry Strickland having an argument, and the Mountain having to step in and nearly killing Harry Strickland, but he decides not to. Um, The remaining northern forces then arrive at the gates of King's Landing and beg for entry, and Cersei reluctantly grants them entry after much deliberation. Um, John tells Cersei that the living don't stand much chance of survival, but they can adopt siege tactics and make it an assassination mission against the Night King. And Cersei agrees to cooperate, after appearing to understand the danger that the Army of the Dead poses to King's Landing and her rule, and so they prepare themselves for the coming invasion. And then episode five, I called it The Long Night. So, Ah. yeah, I was two episodes out with that one. I mean, obviously we are already way off track here. Um, (laughs) In my vision of the story, the Army of the Dead arrive outside... King's Landing and begin to attack the city with many more of the living lost in the fighting then there's a plan, so it turns out the plan was to get as many people in King's Landing out of the city just as, as many as possible um, like Cersei and Tyrion kind of come up with this plan um, They so they they kind of lure the army of the dead into the city shut the city and then they blow the place up with as much wildfire as they've got, right? Like just and and you know dragonfire, wildfire, you know, just 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 blow the whole place up because it's you know there's still loads of wildfire on the table, and the plan appears to be coming together until the order to torch the wildfire is executed too early, and it takes oh. thousands of small folk with it, and the Night King and the Army of the Dead are still alive, and so there's more, more, more fighting. Um, the idea of killing the Night King, I went in a different direction. Mine would be that Jon would be able to get close enough to the Night King to... Instead of an act of violence, killing the Night King, it. I had this idea that the show would subvert it and make it more of an act of mercy. So, like, Jon pulls the dragonglass dagger from out of the Night King's heart that was shoved into him in, in, if you remember in season six, he was created by having a dragonglass dagger shoved into his heart. And so I had this idea that John would pull it out and then the night King would kind of wither down to his human form. The rest of the army of the dead and the white walkers would, would, you know, shatter. And then the night King's death would be the man he once was and the man that he used to be. Um, when the fighting is over, however, Cersei realizes that there's a, there's a political situation to take advantage of here, and so she blames Tyrion for the death of all those people. Like it, it was Tyrion's fault that the wildfire went off too early, um, and this <laughs> splits this splits Daenerys's camp into two distinct halves: those who think that Tyrion was framed, and those who believe that he conspired. With Cersei and like, you know, and destabilise the f- future of the the continent, and then the final episode, um, a dream of spring, which is the name of the proposed final book in the series. Um, mm. So there's more tension between Cersei and Daenerys's army. So it leads to various things. Um, so there's a huge divide. I thought that they were going to go with Jamie killing Cersei. Um, that the mountain was going to kill Jamie and that the hound was going to kill the mountain. You know, like that scene in Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> 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 um, Tyrion would be executed for plotting against Daenerys. Um, right. And John would be gravely wounded during these fights and he, he would actually die. He would die for a second time. There's no one around to resurrect him and that's it. And in the end, the position I had at the end was that Daenerys would be the one left behind. And so she. the idea is that she would get the Iron Throne that she so desired, and the, the small folk, like the common folk, they would look to her for leadership. And yeah, I would do the, the mirroring of her vision from the season two finale. And reluctantly, she takes the throne because she realises that she's finally a queen, but all of her loved ones and her advisors are dead and some of them aren't you know and maybe she would find out that like Tyrion didn't actually do anything wrong and so that would be the bittersweet ending which is that daenerys gets what she wants but she loses everything to the point where it feels very uh, her dream is finally realized but it's empty and she also realizes that she has a child on the way but there's there's no father to raise it. She, it's, it's just... It's all... It's just her. Like, the way I imagined it, the final scene of the show, is that Daenerys... Go, it, it, it skips forward a few months and Daenerys goes into labour where... Or she's about to go into labour and she's taken to Dragonstone. Because obviously that's okay. birthplace of her family and everything. And she gives birth to a girl and that's just kind of it and so my idea was that Daenerys would become the wheel but in a way that feels like it's you know she's lost everything and it all feels wrong and like when she gives birth to this child that she so wanted to you know the curse is broken um destiny fulfilled and everything but she looks down into the kid's eyes and it's just sort of like, have I cursed you by bringing you into this world? Like the, the wheel continues turning, but Daenerys doesn't feel comfortable. She, and Daenerys knows that she is the wheel. And so I have to say there's lots of stupid stuff in there because of course it's stupid. Like it's just, it's well, yeah. a lower form of fan fiction. So um, I'm so glad I was wrong. Like that was what I expected out of the final season, something like that. I didn't think they yeah. were going to be so bold as to go the path that they did, and I'm I'm very glad that they did.
1: No, neither did I. I I like you thought that the um, the Night King saga would last until uh, you know, if not the final episode, then at least the penultimate episode. Yeah. And well, it it didn't, and it was a it was a perfectly good decision I think yeah no I uh, I agree
0: so do you have any, anything more to say about season eight
1: Um, not really but again I've, okay I'm, I'm guessing that people who like hated season eight they're not going to be listening to this and they're certainly not going to be listening to this final point of the episode but yeah legit if you didn't like season eight at the time give it another go it's it's good I would
0: even give the whole show another go. Actually, I think that the show drew, the, the final season draws upon a lot of the a lot of seemingly random points in the show's history. That's true. Yeah. To enhance yeah. itself, and so yeah, definitely.
1: I think it does. It, I'm sure it probably would work best in the the context of a rewatch. Yes. Where yeah, you, when you have everything you know, in mind. Exactly, yeah, and it, it helps you, you know, put those pieces together, like you say. Yeah.
0: All right then, so our coverage of season eight is done. Next week, we'll be back for our, for our final episode, for the final time. Um, we're going to be doing wow. basically an award show, but for the whole series. Yeah. So we're going to be doing loser of the show, winner of the show, the show's best moment. We're going to be ranking... Every single episode from (laughs) beginning to end of the combined list. So it's my list that I published last week combined with Lizzie's list that Mm -hmm. we've been keeping track of through the whole show. Um, And we may get a little message from Jay. I'm going to speak to him and see if he can record something for us just to say hello and say that he's grateful to be joining The Longest Night and you know he could do one of those nicely prepared PR statements Um, I'm very excited to be joining The Longest Night a Game of Thrones show it is
1: (laughs) I heartily endorse this event for (laughs)
0: podcasts so yeah we will see you next week for the final time until August see ya thank you very much for listening this far